Hi, this is Andre Collins, former Washington Redskin and Super Bowl champ. You're listening to Jamie King on the Fort King. Fort 1061. Coastal Carolina University offers you the academic experiences you need to succeed after college. From marine science to computer science, from theater to music technology, from hospitality management to health administration, there is a place for you at Coastal Carolina University. With inspired learning opportunities in the classroom, in the field, online, and around the world, Coastal Carolina offers the opportunities to support and empower your success. Visit coastal.edu to learn more. Less is more, right? Well, not when it comes to dealership benefits. I'm Tim Cosgrove, General Manager at CMA's Colonial Honda. We're extending the warranty on every new car from 5 years 60,000 miles to 7 years and 100,000 miles. Don't forget, we also have 7 Honda Master Technicians, a community outreach program, free car washes with each service, and many other benefits. CMA's Colonial Honda. Owners just do more. Visit cmascolonialhonda.com today. Sports King Show, live on Sports 1061, the show with scores, interviews, the hottest topics, and the biggest sports stories of the day. It's the show where you'll hear from the players that make the plays, as well as the key coaches and personnel who make it happen. All of this and live phone calls from you, the Sports King Nation. Now, direct from his castle, located in an undisclosed location in the capital city of Richmond, Virginia, let's welcome to the throne, His Highness, Jamie King, the Sports King, on Sports 1061. And good morning, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Sports King on Sports 1061 alongside the Atlanta Brave hat wearing Ben Maitland, the Daytona 500 shirt wearing, high styling, profiling Ben Maitland. Woo! How about that, Ben? Looking good, my man. Wearing the Daytona stuff. Thank you. I try. Some of the best of I've got in the wardrobe right here. Well, I tell you what. Woo! Exactly. Can't That's leave it. out of Ric Flair woo, no, at least cannot for start leave the week. Ric Flair out to start your week. We will be joined momentarily by Perry Williams, longtime friend of the show. Perry Williams, a two-time, and you better get it right when you talk to him, two-time world champion for the New York football giants. And uh, Perry, an amazing guy, has a lot of stories, is a guy that uh, I've always loved to hang around and just reminisce with him, talk to him about all the great days. Of course, he was drafted in the 1983 draft, round seven, pick 178, played at North Carolina State, make sure you know that, NC State Wolfpack. Proud Perry Williams. So we're going to catch up with him momentarily, but we want to thank you for joining us on the Sports King Show on Sports 1061. And it is going to be a beautiful day across uh, Central Virginia, and we hope it's beautiful wherever you are. And we want to head out to the phone now and welcome to the Sports King Show, Perry Williams. Perry, thank you for joining us this morning. How you doing, Jamie? Good, brother. Thank you for having me on. It's a great day, great morning. Hey, I'm happy. I worked out this morning, ran a few miles, and did my little wind sprint, so I'm good to go. <laughs> he is a workaholic, guys. And let me tell you something. Uh, if you hang out with Perry for any uh, stretch of time, you're going to find one thing. The guy is physically fit. He always works out, always keeps himself in shape. He did that when he played. He did that now. 
He's done amazing things. Uh, Perry, let's go back uh, to the 83 draft and uh, coming out of NC State. Did you always think it was going to be the Giants or uh, you hope it would be the Giants? Where do you think you might end up? Well, I thought I was going to end up in Seattle or Tampa, to be honest with you, Jimmy. I uh, had that notion that was un- under the impression that that's which way I was going to get drafted. But uh, fortunately for me, uh, I went, I died and went to heaven. I got drafted by the New York Giants. What a great city to be in. And uh, uh, it was wonderful. It was I didn't like the weather when I first went there. I wasn't used to all that cold weather, but uh, I yes. got adapted. I got adjusted to it, and uh, everything went well. It's been a great Great, great time for me all those years and, uh, that I played as well as the years afterwards. So it was, it's been great. You played college football. You ran track at NC State. Uh, you held the 55-meter indoor record in 1983 with a time of 6.22 seconds. Guy could run. Tell me <laughs> about your track background, how much that helped you at the next level in terms of football. Oh, yeah, tremendous, tremendous help, uh, Jamie. Um I started running track, obviously, at AAU Junior Olympics in, in North Carolina here for many years. And then I you know, went on to high school with it. And then, obviously, when I signed to go to NC State, it was a dual scholarship football and track scholarship. So and you- uh, it helped me tremendously with my speed, of course, uh, just running and enjoying it. Uh, I did well. I won the ACC championship 200 meters on the outdoors. Then I qualified for the Olympics in 1980. I had... Is ready to go to Russia. Unfortunately, Jimmy Carter, former president of the United States, said decided that no American uh, athletes was going. So I never had a chance to go. But I qualified it in 200 meters at the time. You but, uh, but it helped me in many ways uh, to get me ready for football. So I used a lot of my track background workouts and stuff over the years when I was active uh, to get me ready to play for a long, grueling season in the NFL. You hate when politics enter sports. Tell me, I mean – I know what a great athlete you were. You have to be somewhat bitter towards politicians that can't get it right and and, and deny you an opportunity potentially at a gold medal. Uh, how yeah. frustrating was that for you? Well, being a 19 year old kid, you know, I was you know a young man at rather uh, 19 years old sophomore in college. You qualify for a race to go be able to go to the Olympics, Summer Olympics, and you know, how exciting that was for me to get ready for the Olympic trial team and. Uh, I was so happy and enthused about it, and then all of a sudden you get that downer saying that you're not going, nobody's going. But uh, it was disenchantment a little bit, but uh, I focused back in on what I was doing and had a good career with the with that afterwards and obviously got drafted by the New York Giants. And I've always told people that uh, I was running when Carl Lewis was running. Everybody know who Carl Lewis was, nine-time gold medalist out of the state of New Jersey area. And he and I was running back in the day in college, and – uh, he ended up with nine gold medals. I uh, always tell people I, I have to settle for two Super Bowl rings, so I didn't do too bad on that <laughs> end. No, you didn't. Our special guest, Perry Williams, the outstanding quarterback for the New York football Giants. And uh, looking back, uh, when you had to go to New York, it's a different beast, a different animal in terms of the media. How did you handle that pressure? Because you know New York, they don't want to win here and there. They want to win every game, and when you don't, you have to face it. How did you deal with the New York media? Well, I didn't have much to say, to tell you the truth, Jamie. I was a quiet. Uh, the Giants, for a long time, I initially thought that I was a mute. Cause I, <laughs> I didn't know if I could talk because I, I didn't talk at all. I just went out there and worked and worked hard every day. Uh, I just played my game and uh, did what I had to do. 
Um, so my thing was, well, I survived it. I survived it for 11 years, uh, the surviving storm. The old adage, if you can survive in New York, you can survive anywhere. So I guess I survived it, and I just didn't have much to say. So I didn't talk. I just let my, my actions do the talking. So that's pretty much how I survived. I worked with Perry. He's a great instructor for young men and worked some camps with him. And this guy really knows the sport. He's a great technician. Uh, when you look at the fact that you didn't talk a lot, but your play talked volumes, I mean, you were a guy that laid the wood to people. Great cover guy. You could do it all back, out of the backfield, uh, speedy receivers. The fact that you were versatile, it had to be something you were so proud of as far as your game. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, I thank God every day. I'm I'm, I'm a you know, spiritual person, go to church, and I believe that uh, things happen for a reason, and God gave me a special gift when I was born, and I was conceived uh, that I was going to be an athlete someday. And uh, I just took my precious gift and maximized it to the best of my fullest of my ability, and uh, I'm still doing it. I don't play no sports anymore, but I, I encourage all the young men and women around that I'm engaged with and talking with They'll be all they can be and be the best. So um, I just always was appreciative. Taking, I always tell young kids, young men and women, uh, take advantage of the window of opportunity. When the window of opportunity is come knocking at your door, be ready to go. So preparation is the number one key. When you played for the Giants, you have the great players, LT, Harry Carson on that defense. I mean, that defense was just incredible. Uh, Carl Banks, uh, all, all the guys on that defense. What made it so special, Perry? The love for one another, the guys who great great athletes that you just named and many more, Nicole Mark Bavaro's of the world, Phil Sims of the world, Joe Morris of the world, O.J. Anderson of the world. I mean, you can I can go Mark Collins, the other great cornerback that we had, Terry Kenoff, Clemson University, great safety we had, free safety. Uh, we just had a, a, a litany of guys who love to play the game, love one another, work to hard together. Teamwork makes the dream work. And I say that all the time in a lot of my speeches, Jimmy, and, and I believe that we believed in team. You know, no one guy is better than the other guy. We all knew that Lawrence Taylor was one of the greatest linebackers that ever played the game, player, period. But he understood that he needed everybody. He needed us to be successful. So that's how we became successful because we, uh, we left that, uh, that me mentality at home and said we. We will always supersede the me mindset. So that's how we played it. Let's talk about Bill Parcells, uh, the impact he had on you, not only as a coach, but as a man. A lot of times people look at him and say, you know, he's gruff and some people don't find him approachable. But when you play for him, if you're his guys, I mean, this guy loves you. You go to the wall for you. Talk about your relationship with Bill Parcells. Yeah, uh, uh, Parcells, he was a very eccentric guy. The guy was obviously a great uh, coach. He was a great coach. He understood the game itself. Um, he understood people. He worked with people. I always thought for a minute he was a, a psychiatrist because he always tried to get into everybody's head and see <laughs> how you how you were ticking, how you thought, and your thought process. And and that's a, that's a challenge for anybody, anybody in corporate America, any uh, man or woman who's involved with us organizations or the education institutions as well as sports organizations or programs. You got to understand the people. You're as good as the people you surround yourself with. So uh, he was uh, good at that, you know, maximizing his uh, opportunities and how he dealt with guys. And for, for myself, speaking for myself, he he didn't have to say too much to me because uh, he could tell me once or twice what he wanted to get done, and I went and got it done. You know, he didn't have to mule with me to get me to go. Uh, 
Some guys he had to yell and scream at times, but uh, for the most part, um, things that we did together as a as a coach on his first year as a head coach was '83. That was my rookie year, and uh, so we were for eight years straight together. Uh, we did a lot of things great. We won a couple championships, and that was wonderful. So uh, I'm happy for him. He's in the uh, Hall of Fame. Um, uh, I'm delighted that he was able to get in. Obviously, Harry Carson as well as L.T. Lawrence Taylor. And we got another one coming in. I'm um, I'm delighted and pleased to say that uh, George Young, who was the general manager of the Giants when I was there for many years, uh, he's going to be conducted as a contributor uh, this summer. So I'm going out to Ohio to that event to pay my the homage to him because he was a great man as well. So. Our special guest, number 23 for the New York football giants, Perry Williams, wore the uniform for nine years proudly. This guy was one of the very best. He didn't talk a lot, folks, when he played, but trust me, his play spoke volumes about the man. The guy was all over the field making plays. As a Redskin fan, didn't always like Perry because he created so much havoc when he came to D.C., and whenever they played, he was always that guy you had to watch because he was dangerous on defense. And you were so respected, Perry. You had to love the fact that, like I said, you didn't, you weren't one of the guys that talked it, but you played it, and so many guys around the league respected you and always said, hey, they had to find out where 23 was on the field. Yeah, well, that's a nice thing to say. If I may say, Jamie, I'm not one to say a lot, but uh, I just want to make sure you – Everybody understand. I did 11 years with the Giants, so I don't want to shortchange myself. Well, I'll tell you the other thing, and I apologize because (laughs) I said said Perry Williams, uh, Super Bowl champ, he said, hang on, Jamie. Hang on, hang on. Two-time Super Bowl champ. Let's let's get this right. I don't want to miss out on that. Now, I, know, but I was 11 years with two, the Giants, 83 to 94. 83 to 94, because uh, your your page had it off there. So uh, we got that corrected. So 11 years with the G-Men. Okay, when you look at those two Super Bowl championships, let's get that right. Uh, what do you think of when you look at those rings? What do they mean to you? Oh, man, they mean everything. What a symbolic symbol of dedication, commitment, hard work, sacrifice. Uh, uh, great work ethic. You know, you talk about those kind of things, those elements, the core value things, and that that was, it means so much to me. Um, I didn't care about the accolades of individualistically going to being an all-star this or being in the Hall of Fame. That my, my, my whole aim and my mission was to get to the Super Bowl. And um, when I look at those rings, I bring proud moments and, and smiles to my face because uh, I had some great guys who helped me get there and, and we always, uh, you know, will be, you know, very special to me for for the rest of my life. Perry, when you look at the game, the safety of the game, and you've seen guys that have suffered with CTE and potential aspects uh, in terms of the health aspects, you were a big-time hitter. When you look at the guys that have suffered from it and the game itself trying to get better, what do you think of the state of the game currently? Well, it's a tough game. I, I'm sorry to hear that. A lot of the guys are being affected by the CTE stuff now. Um, I'm, um, I had a, well, I was to be first to say and proud to say on your show here that I just received about three weeks ago uh, my notice vacation on, on a test that I had had to take and um, that I'm clear, that I'm good. So, oh, what a blessing. I'm very, what a blessing. I'm, 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 it's a blessing for me. God blessing me and, uh, Continue to do what I'm doing, but uh, it's it's a sad time in many ways. A lot of these guys are going through a lot of stuff, and um, and that makes me sad to see guys who may be going suffering along with their families. 
to see them suffer like that. So I hope something um, – I know the game is being modified a little bit, you know, for the hits and going across the middle and, you know, guys is, uh, in vulnerable positions as receivers. Uh, so I can understand that, or you know, low you know, low cuts, chop blocks, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, but the game is a game. It's a, it's a tough game, Jamie, as you know. And I'm sure you're listening on this. It knows football. It's not a you know two hand touch game. It's a, it's a barbaric game. It's a rough game. And uh, you take it's like playing Russian roulette in reality. Uh, my thing is, if a kid or a young man want to play, I, I tell parents all the time, especially these mothers who come to me over the years. Tell him, don't let your son play until at least 13, 14 years old. Let his body grow. You know, that 8, 9, 10-year-old, that's, that's a little too early. His body hadn't developed. His mind hadn't even developed yet. So it, uh, that is great. Yeah, it's great you say that because uh, I tell the parents the same thing. When you're a young child, uh, your brain's still developing, and uh, you want to make sure you protect your head. And when you get to that 12-, 13-year-old age, uh, you can start uh, getting into the game. But like I say, before that, you don't want to take unnecessary hits, and you put your body out there. But great advice, Perry, and it's something that uh, you definitely know a ton about. Uh, I want to ask you, as far as uh, your career with the G-Men, when you look back, uh, you are so proud to be a part not only in New York and uh, the, uh, the Giants as a whole but uh, you'll always be a G-man. What does that mean, just being a part of that internal family of the Giants as far as being a longtime Giant? What does it mean to be a part of that group? Well, it means everything to me personally, that I was a part of something special. I was part of a special op- uh, organization, a special company, Willard to Mara. The Mara family has owned that Giants organization since 1925. And it special you know, things to my heart that uh, they accepted me and they, and they uh, respected what I did as a player, not only on the field, but off the field. I tried to represent them in the best way I possibly could. And, uh, and I'm very proud of that. That Mr. Merrill, Willerton Merrill, before he died, he wrote me a letter. And he had made, made mention in the letter that he thought of me, what he thought of me as a person, as a ball player, and um, he's all, and he kind of ended up with the letter saying that uh, that I was a giant for life, and that, that meant something. Wow! To get that from him, That's and I very... still have that letter in my house here in North Carolina, um, in my scrapbook, and uh, I'm gonna cherish that forever, Mr. Mayor. You know, he didn't have to do it, but he did. He thought enough of me to, um, you know, to write me a letter. So uh, I still have that. I'm appreciative of the job. Obviously, I root for the Giants, of course. Um, so, but my life has moved on. So I had to move on to bigger and better things. And, um, now I'm, as you know, I, I'm working with kids. I do a lot of youth outreach programs, done it for years now, uh, giving back character building, life skill, leadership, teamwork concepts. Uh, currently now I'm at Long Island university outside of New York city. I'm the sports management director, uh, newly in, uh, got in in this past September, last year and um, i'm happy i'm happy what i'm doing with teaching sports management class and uh, psychology of sports class and uh, doing what i do is just change trying to change lives get these young people ready for you know the leaders for tomorrow get them ready we're going to have just a little bit more time in this segment we're going to ask you to hang on and we'll have you back after the commercial but perry uh, it's so uh interesting to me a guy that was quiet his whole career 
who grew as a man, and now you're an instructor, a guy that stands. Uh, I've seen you talk, man. You stand tall and proud, and you really uh, talk with the confidence of a guy that really knows what he's talking about at all times. And you control a room like few people do. And the fact that you help instruct not only folks on the sports management side, but young athletes as well looking to go into football, you have really evolved into a top flight speaker as well. Uh, thank you very much. I appreciate that. So do you enjoy now, uh, I know you're going around, you do a lot of recruiting as well and a lot of the speeches. Uh, what is the main crux of what you have to do on a daily basis with your job? Well, well the job at the university, at Long Island University, LIU, out there in Brooks, about 15 minutes from Manhattan, um, I, uh, I teach two classes a week, teach Monday and Wednesday, teach the uh, sports management class, as I said, and the psychology of sports class. I do two classes a week, Monday and Wednesday. So Tuesdays and Thursdays and Fridays, more of uh, administrative stuff. Or I go out on the road and I go to various high schools in the area, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, and I try to recruit kids, not only for student athletes. I mean, my program is, is a curriculum, sports management curriculum, under the umbrella of the business school at the university. So I'm with the business school. Uh, but nevertheless, um, I try to work with kids, all the students across the board. Uh, we have various programs that they have scholarship foundations that work with kids who've got great GPAs and may not have their funds or the finance to be able to go to school. Um, so they have great grades. They may have a, a get an academic scholarship, much less a, a sports scholarship. So I look that we find all the top, you know, the top grade, top rated students, boys, men, and women. They try to get them to come to LIU. So we had a great recruiting class with our football program, which we're a D1 school now. We just in is uh, bought in this past year uh, to D1 level. So uh, we uh, we up and coming. We're getting ready to go, and uh, I'm excited about it. We're going to take a timeout. You're listening to the great cornerback from the New York Giants, Perry Williams on the Sports King. When we come back, you're going to find out the hardest hit he ever saw. I had dinner with Perry Williams in New York. We talked about this. It was something his eyes got so big and wide talking about this story. It's one you don't want to miss. We're going to find out that and much more as our conversation with the great Perry Williams of the New York Giants continues. You're listening to Sports uh, 106.1 and the Sports King Show. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Perry Williams. Hey, guys, this is Tress Wave, punter for the Redskins, and you're listening to the Sports King on Sports 106.1. Hi, sports fans. It's the Sports King for the podiatry center of renowned foot doctor, Dr. Paul Ross. Dr. Ross is an expert who develops individual game plans for the sole purpose of getting his patients back to 100% as quickly as possible. In my case, I wore soft casts, hard casts. I was in pain and I saw no relief. That is, until Dr. Ross came to the rescue. He restored my foot to the way it was originally, and he gave me the quality of life I so desperately wanted to return to. He can do the same for you. He has state-of-the-art techniques and strategies to ensure your pain and issues become a thing of the past. If you've tried the rest, do yourself a favor and now try the best. Call today. Two offices to serve you, Bethesda, Maryland, and Springfield, Virginia. That's the podiatry center of Dr. Paul Ross. For more information, go to paulrossdpm.com. That's paulrossdpm.com. Want to race the sports king? Call 804-327-0888. That's 804-327-0888. Learn it. Know it. 
welcome back, everybody. Monday morning edition of the Sports King, and what a special guest we have. We've been catching up with him. Great friend Perry Williams, number 23 from the New York Football Giants. And, folks, you better not say one-time Super Bowl champ or he's going to call you out. Two-time Super Bowl champ, Perry Williams. <laughs> and uh, Perry and I had dinner uh, years ago, and I'll never forget the story, and I want you to share it with the uh, fans. When I asked you, Perry, what was – and, of course, being a Redskins fan and John Riggins fan – I said, Perry, what was the hardest hit you ever saw as a player? And go ahead, I'm going to let you tell the story. Yeah, Jamie, um, that was the uh, John Riggins and Harry Corson, our, both of them Hall of Famers, uh, Miller linebacker. Um, it was a hit. Uh, we was on the field, we was playing, and John Riggins had the ball, and he ran up the trap up the middle of the, of the field, and uh, Harry stepped in the hole in the trenches and hit him. And it's the hardest hit I ever saw or I ever heard much with the, with the noise as well as the the, the, the uh, tackling aspect of it is this. Uh, it was like hearing thunder. So I had never heard nothing like that. But uh, what are two great players they were? Obviously, uh, John Riggins, a super superstar running back back in his day, and Harry Carson being a middle linebacker for the New York football Giants, and what a superstar he was. To see two, two Goliaths go at each other, that was something to be seen. So that was probably the best hit and the hardest hit I ever saw. You told me you cracked their helmets, the hit was so hard, and that yes. you were in the backfield watching this, and it's one of those ones where you saw coming, it's like an accident, you saw coming, I remember you telling me, yes. and you said yes. that, it literally sounded like, uh, I guess, how those two Rams up in the uh, mountains when they hit head to head, they said it was just colossal hit that you just couldn't believe either one got up from. Yeah, it's like two battering Rams. You see on, the, on that Ford commercial TV, them two battering Rams going at it. It's like the loudest sound I've ever heard, like ever, on a football field, much less anywhere. And, and the truth be told, but uh, these guys are just barbaric, you know, guys, and they just went after each other, and um, it was something to, to see uh, because uh, when you got two great players like that going at it, you know, that's, that's, that's really, you know, some good, great yeah, gladiators, if you will, uh, going at it. It's something to see. And uh, we always had great games, the Redskins and the Giants in those days, 80s and 90s. You guys had great players, and Joe Thousand, I was Doug Williams and Drace. Trader and Art Monk, Ricky uh, Sanders and Gary Clark. I mean, I can go on and on. The Hawks, the offensive line. <laughs> but he, we always had uh, some uh, some special games at that time. But uh, it's uh, it's always good to reflect back on and think about it. You had such a great career, of course, at Giant Stadium, your home field. Talk about the G-Men and their fans. What made them special playing in front of those guys in New York? They definitely held you accountable. If you won, no better place to be. When you lost, you definitely heard it. Oh, yeah. Well, that's that's one of the things about the Giants fans, and I, I'm always indebted in gratitude to them forever. My fans, the fan base up there was great to me. At times, they got mad. They want to throw apples and oranges and <laughs> bottles at us at times. But uh, I think we brought more happiness to them than they brought sadness over the years and I, all those years that I was there. Um, this is a great group of people, very knowledgeable people, knows the game. They know if you're giving 100% and they know if you're not giving 100%. So um, I, I'm, I'm just very delighted the fact that I had the great honor and the pleasure to play amongst those people and uh, what really uh, softens my heart nowadays when I'm up in the New York area, when I'm doing my work or if I'm out anywhere, a lot of them will come to me and talk to me and 
that warms my heart because I get a chance to to see the people that I really didn't see when I was playing. Because when I was playing, I was very busy, so I didn't get a chance to meet a lot of the fans. So nowadays, since I've gotten away from the game, I've, I've met a lot of people, and um, I always enjoy meeting Giant Nation. I look at, uh, of course, back at the Super Bowl, and you look back at the ownership and Mr. Mara, Wellington Mara, writing you a letter. Uh, I've heard great things about him. Sum him up as an owner. I mean, you talked earlier about him writing you a handwritten note, but the fact that if you don't have a great owner, it's hard to really uh, – a lot of players yeah. will play, but they don't always have that great relationship. You guys were different with Mr. Mara. Can you talk about that? Oh, yeah. Well, I can sum it up in two words. Class act. He was a class act. Well, He was a man who had great integrity man who was great wisdom, uh, the man who architect, you know, with, along with his family, his father, I think, b- bought the team when he was nine years old, 1925. Uh, Mr. Merrill was affiliated with that team for 80 years. He died when he was 89. So you can imagine 80 years of football. Wow. Uh, the, the, the information and the, the knowledge that he had and the wisdom that he had, uh, he was just a class act guy. His family, he's been always good to me. He recognized who I was as a person. Uh, he made it possible. He made it made aim and he made mention. He said that he wanted me to be a giant, and then uh, and that happened. And I'm very appreciative to his family, even though he's deceased and gone now. But I'm still appreciative for everything that was done for me. Obviously, you have to work. I went out there and I played hard and um, did what I had to do. But not only on the field, played hard, but off the field, I tried to represent, as I said early on, represent the, uh, the uh, company, the organization. You know, I didn't bring any shame or the embarrassment to the organization. That was more than my number one goal. My grandmother, in 1983, when I first got drafted, Jamie, she said something to me that resonated. When I was leaving my little town of Hamlet, North Carolina, on my way to New York to my first training camp, she said, who is the owner of the team? And I told her, I said, I hadn't really met him yet, but his name is Mr. Willow Tamara, for I understand she said, well, if you don't do th- – I know you want to play. If you get up there, you make it, you do it, you do things. If you play one day, one week, one month, one year, or ten years, or whatever it's going to be, you make sure you get that man an honest day's work. And I never forgot that. Wow. And when I got up there, I went to work. Didn't ch- I didn't run my mouth. I kept my mouth closed, and I just worked. And that's what happened to me 11 years after that. She said, well, I want you to do that because when you leave someday, if you last all those years you want to play, you can look those people in the eyes and they know you gave them honest days. You never cheated them. You never embarrassed them. You never brought shame to them. Well, he never did. Uh, Perry Williams, a class act, has always done the right thing and played hard and Talk about George Young, your general manager, of course, uh, what he meant to you guys as well. It was a great team effort, Mara, Young, and Parcells. Those guys, uh, everybody has differences, but it seems like the top of that organization really provided yeah. you guys with some great players all around you, both offensively and defensively. It was a great team effort on the upper echelon of the team. Yeah, I, can t- I can't talk enough about Mr. George Young. Mr. Young was the man who brought me to New York. He was the one who drafted me. He was the one who made it possible for me to play all those years and through his recommendation to ownership, obviously, to Mr. Mayor, who owned the team. Um, I will say this on your air. I never really told nobody, and I very rarely even speak about it to him in private. But uh, Mr. 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 Young 
was like a mentor to me. And I know that sounds kind of odd because this football and all these sports industries, that's a business. And it's all about getting things done. It's all about, you know, doing what they have to do, become successful. And uh, But he looked at me as a, as a different kind of category that he knew I was a hard-working kid. And he knew that I was going to try to do the right thing. And uh, he took me under his wing. He, be, I mean, he, he mentored me for 11 years. Behind the scenes, nobody knew this. Wow. Man, I we, never told nobody. That's think- why you heard me say early on that I was going out to Ohio this summer in August. To uh, to his um, when he get put in the Hall of Fame as a contributor, because people don't know that he was really a mentor to me. He wasn't just only my boss and um, the general manager, but he was like a father figure to me, encouraging me behind the scenes. Nobody knew this. Well, I don't we- even think the Giants organization knew it, and the front office knew it too much, because he and I would talk amongst ourselves. Man, I can't, he treated me like a father. I can't thank you enough for sharing that for the first time ever on the Sports King show. That's quite an honor that you told that story. And uh, I know our listeners. Yeah, I, are, just, I want the listeners to know because when they look at this, uh, in the, you know, when they enshrine these men this summer, uh, when George Young come up, I want you listeners to remember that Perry Williams told this story on the Jamie King show, <laughs> that this story, which is a true story. Yep. Uh, that he became a mentor. And um, he told me once, he said, son, as long as I, you do three things in 1983, he said, you do these three things, then you're going to be all right. You're going to play a long time here. You keep your nose clean. You stay out of trouble. Obviously, you work hard and do what the coaches ask you to do. And you're going to play at least, at least 10 years. Jamie, he lied to me. But it was a good lie, Jamie, because I played loving <laughs> it. <laughs> Let me tell you something about your friendship. I, I, I respect this guy. Even though he was a giant, I still respect. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but Perry, I, I love him to death. He's always been so good to me. And uh, every time we sit down, whether it be dinner or just to talk, I learn so much because, folks, there are guys that play. There are guys that uh, play and uh, have business opportunities beyond. But when you look at a guy that does it right, from his workouts to the way he conducts himself, he's a gentleman. And his grandmother, who said, hey, when you leave here, give an honest day's work. This guy does it wherever he's at. He always gives his best in anything he does. He is a uh, absolute gentleman in all sense of the world. Perry, uh, what would you leave uh, in our final minutes here uh, as far as advice for any parents out there looking to get their sons or daughters in the sports, as far as advice for them to be successful? What's your best advice for them? Stay vigilant. Be, com- be, be committed. Be a great worker. Have great work ethic. Have honesty. Be truthful. Have great character. Those are the true elements or the pillars of life that you would need to the, the advice to young men and women or the parents or the loved ones who's raising the children, the young men or the young ladies. Is to, to be, be contrite. Be honest. Tell them the truth. Work with them and for the young people to listen. So the words of wisdom will take you a long ways. I'm a living example of it. I'm a living witness of words of wisdom. I think that the old adage, I think I read somewhere by the Winston, the great Winston Churchill once said that you make a living by what you, you make a living by what you get, but you make a life by what you give. Wow. Hey, 
Man, we love that, and we can't thank you enough for spending time with us this morning. It's Monday morning. Our special guest has been Perry Williams, the outstanding cornerback of the two-time, better get that right, Super Bowl champion, uh, New York football Giants, uh, 58 years of age, 58 years young, but he looks like he's 38, folks. This guy looks like he's still playing today. Perry, it's always an honor. You know that. We'd love to have you back uh, this summer as the induction happens, talking about that a little bit more, and you're always welcome on the Sports King Show, and uh, my friend, uh, great catching up with you we'll talk to you soon uh, i appreciate it enjoy and uh, thank you for having me on and good luck to you man with your all your endeavors and your family thank you so much perry williams special guest uh, new york football giants number 23 boy he was a great one for out of nc state two-time super bowl champ we're going to take a time out we'll be right back you listen to sports king on sports 1061 okay this is trent murphy number 93 from the buffalo bills Less is more, right? Well, not when it comes to dealership benefits. I'm Tim Cosgrove, General Manager at CMA's Colonial Honda. We're moving lives forward by extending the warranty on every new car from 5 years and 60,000 miles to 7 years and 100,000 miles. Our mission is to always give our customers more. That's why we have seven Honda Master technicians and offer a free car wash with every service visit. And now, we will even bring test drives to you because we know that your busy schedules make it difficult to stop in the dealership. Another thing we're extremely proud of is our commitment to the community. From local hero discounts to childhood cancer programs to sponsoring Boy Scout troops. The people truly make us who we are, and we are proud to give back to the ones that give so much to us. So worry less and smile more. Only at CMA's Colonial Honda. Owners just do more. Visit cmascolonialhonda.com today. You're listening to a man whose yoga instructor asked him how flexible he was. And he replied that he couldn't do Tuesdays. It's the Sports King on Sports 1061. Good Monday morning, everybody, coast to coast, internationally, throughout Central Virginia. Looks to be a beautiful day out there, Ben Maitland. Uh, Yes, indeed. Ben, always with his Atlanta Braves hat. You can tell this guy's ready for Major League Baseball to start, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Very ready. Very ready. Bring on March 26th, man. And I want to ask you, Perry Williams, uh, your takeaways from the interview. Uh, Stand-up guy. You know, he, he mentioned class act as far as uh, one of the gentlemen he was talking about. That would uh, ring true also of Perry. Yep. Um, I know you've known him now for what, for a while. Um, you know, Even getting a chance to have dinner with the guy would be awesome just to hear some of the stories that he was relaying just then and talking about the uh, the hardest hit story was funny. Um, and the, the characters involved in that one, that was uh, that was pretty cool. And just, you know, hearing about what he's doing now and trying to, to give a little something back. You know, right. that's always impressive when he, someone does that. He's a great instructor, but it was funny, as you said, having dinner with Perry, sitting, him, sitting there talking to him about the biggest hit, and his eyes, I'm literally got size of half dollars. I mean, they were really enlarged when he said, Jamie, I'm telling you what, I stood back there and I saw Riggins come up the middle, and it parted like the Red Sea, and then Harry Carson stood in there, and they hit like two battering rams, and they both cracked their helmets on this play and had to leave the field. That's crazy and i said perry <laughs> cracked helmets this you know how hard what force you have yeah, to hit have another to hit man to crack one helmet much less two and he said man it jamie he said it was a hit i never will forget the sound he said it was absolutely unbelievable and uh the thing about perry williams is a gentleman 
class act. He never talked a lot as a player. You never saw him really vocally uh, trying to uh, make a name for himself. He always did it with his pads. He was a great player, great cover guy, great run support guy, and just a guy that you could depend on game in and game out. And his grandmother, with that advice, he said, she said, you go up there and you give an honest day's work, and boy, did he take that to heart. He did a great job for the Giants during his entire 11-year career, two Super Bowl championships, and uh, just an amazing guy. We appreciate Perry joining us. Coming up after the top of the hour, we're going to be joined by golf instructor C.J. Gex. C.J. is a guy you may know of. Uh, through the years, he's one of those guys that uh, when you look at your phone and you see updates and swing tips and things like that about golf, C.J. is always there, and uh, he is currently instructing a young lady on the LPGA Tour. It's a million-dollar winner. Uh, he is a guy that knows golf like very few people do. We're going to talk to him about uh, the Tour Championship, Ben, and uh, the Masters. he got a lot going on in the golf world. Yeah, you got the players coming up this weekend um, down there at Sawgrass. I know Tiger will not be in the field, which is disappointing. It's disappointing that he missed Bay Hill um, this past weekend. You know, Arnold Palmer's tournament. Um you know, that carries on the legacy of Arnie and, and everything that he did for the game of golf. It was uh, a shame that he couldn't play there. It's a shame he's not going to be at the players. But it's if you look, I mean, it's always been listed. I've heard it said by a number of people, the, the Players' Championship, it's the best field overall in golf. You know, you have the Masters is, I think, really, at the end of the day, is uh, you know by invitation um, to a degree. You know, the U.S. Open, you qualify for, and, you know, they have the rest of the majors, of course, the PGA and the British, but the the players itself, it's hard to find a better field throughout the entire year as right. far as on the golf calendar. So, And that's a tough golf course, man, down at Sawgrass. Um, I think what Rory McIlroy won uh, a year ago, and I think if I were a betting man right now, his name would probably be at the top of the list as far as – or near the top of the list as far as wants to watch as we get into play later on uh, this week on Thursday. So that will be exciting, but uh, as you said, the best – the best field overall in golf. And those guys really want that. It's a lot of bragging rights when you win that. Uh, does Ben Maitland play golf? I do. And the the game will will be okay in some respects sometimes, and then I'll go a little while without playing, and then you have to pick it all back up again, of course. So it's all you know muscle memory. And if you don't play that often – uh, or find time to, to go and hit you know, during the week and practice the right things, and you're going to lose it really quick. And that, that happens to me. I'll find it, lose it, and then find it again. That's, that's the way my golf game goes, to I'll be honest with you. Quick, quick story. The first time I played, my father-in-law, Eugene Hamburski, who passed away uh, several years ago, uh, he was in his 70s at the time, and he had been a club champion. And uh, I'm so competitive, as you well know. I went up and I was like, you know, I'm going to show this guy, this old guy, what it's all about. <laughs> And I don't play as often, but my competitive right. juices tell me, hey, you're going to find a way. Somehow you're going to win this. Somehow you'll find a way. Meanwhile, I was in the woods, I think, more than Smokey the Bear uh, on this particular golf outing. I'm hitting it left. I'm hitting it right. And, of course, I heard my first introduction of Pennsylvania, the way they talk in Pennsylvania. They have certain things they say. And under these bushes looking for my ball, and he says, hey, Yin's going to come out and play with the rest of us today. And so I'm like, Yin's, what's a, what's a Yin's? What's a Yin's? So, so I learned very quickly about the dialect there. But I also, as I came out with stickers all over me, and he's sitting there looking like he's in a uh, <laughs> GQ magazine, it, no sweating. I'm sitting here sweating uh, 
uh, profusely, and he's sitting there waiting up by the green, like, come on, we're ready, come on, keep going. I'm like, oh, man, this is so embarrassing. I mean, this guy beat me like a drum. So I'm telling you, golf, if you don't play it every day or practice it, please don't get offended when somebody beats your brains in because I'm telling you what, it's one of those games that – you never master. I it's mean, you look humbling. at Tiger Woods. I mean, if he if he's not playing well, you can tell. It's, it's a game that's so humbling. You can hit the ball perfect a ton of times, but that one miss is like, oh, man, what did I do there? And then when you hit it right, you want to come back and play again. But it's a game that will humble you, bring you to your knees, and make you mutter to yourself and question uh, why you even picked up the – the uh, golf club to begin with but you know it's a game it's fun when you actually hit a ball good it brings you back just like a baseball you know you hit a ball long you're like you know when you got a home run you really hit it well or a base hit you know you hit it well but um, there's always one that keeps you coming back yes and i've i was actually just watching um i had a a lesson here from a guy in town uh last year and kind of pointed me in the right direction and i played sparingly uh last summer and not as much as i would have liked to and then of course when the winter time hits it's hard to find time to go you know, and actually play on the course itself. I tried to, you know, hit hit balls here and there um, just to, to kind of practice and was not that good at doing that throughout the wintertime, trying to make time to do it. So I went back and watched the video actually yesterday when I didn't have much to, to do and kind of reminded myself what I, I need to do and what I need to look at next time I go out there. So it'll be interesting to get a, the perspective from CJ uh, here coming up after the top of the hour. And um, get his thoughts on on how to how to practice and and things like that and how he goes about his business and I mean again with the players coming up I think Rory's probably at the top of the board as far as storylines coming into the week you could make the argument he's the best golfer on the planet right now and again oh by the way happens to be the reigning champion of the of the tournament um, you know, he's coming off a seventh consecutive top five finish um, at the Arnold Palmer there at Bay Hill so I think all eyes are on McElroy and Again, a shame that Tiger will not be part of the proceedings, but they soldier forth, and it's still a, a very good field. I could tell you quick story. Um, my brothers, uh, four brothers, of course, and all competitive, and so I played my one brother Earl, and he had a really good day. We we're playing golf back and forth, and uh, can't stand to ever lose to your brothers. You always want to beat them, and sure, uh, yeah. I thought it was my win. He thought it was his win. Now the problem is, my brother Earl is a CPA, an accountant. So, obviously, he knows numbers. So, when we went back to the house, we wanted to have bragging rights. And I'm sitting there with my mom and telling her that I played well. And he's saying, hey, he got it. And I'm like, no, you didn't. And then I got really frustrated. I said, look, if my pencil was as sharp as yours, I guess I'd win two. To which he said, Ouch. what are you inferring? And I said, well, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck. Next thing you know, uh we both went outside and said, let's go outside and discuss this further, to which my mother said, it's only a golf game, guys. Lighten up. But uh, now we were uh, almost a blows over a golf game because we're so darn competitive. But I'm telling you, when you play well, as you said, it brings you back. It's a great game. Just don't uh, fight your brothers over it. It's not that important. I've come to find out. No, but don't come to blows At over the it. time, it meant everything. But now, yeah, because you want to have bragging rights, especially in your own house. But now we want to thank, once again, Perry Williams for coming on in Hour 1. C.J. Gex is going to talk about, as Ben said, the Players' Championship, the importance of that. And Ben really nailed it because uh, the Masters uh, invite-type situation and uh, all the other great events also out there. But the players are special because the bragging rights, when you're the, considered the best player in that field, you really have something that you can wear as a badge of honor. And I know Ben, uh, 17, that that beautiful 
hole there. It's historic. Man, that's one I really want to play. Yeah, that's uh, one of the iconic holes in the entire sport, and they're in, the, in the entire game as far as golf goes, is 17 at Sawgrass. It's called the Island. Our cohort, Big Al, is always, is always harping on the fact that it's not technically an island. I guess you still have to walk to it. It's Come more like on, a, a Al. He, I mean, he's one that will always kind of harp on the across-the-pond thing also when you go across the Atlantic. Like, it's not a pond, and it's just a figure of speech at the end of the day. So, you know, I there's a lot of attention that will be drawn to 17. Really, that last couple-hole stretch uh, there at Sawgrass, I believe 16's a par 5, longer par 5, um, that uh, has the opportunity for, for glory or disaster, and the same with 17, same with 18. When you have the water down the left side of the fairway, if you hook a tee shot, you're dead. If you go way long down the right side, you're blocked by trees. So there's going to be some – I hope there's some drama. I'll be tuned in over the weekend and and see what happens there at Sawgrass. I'm looking forward to that one. And this is – you know, we're, we're starting to get the picture of who's who's going to be playing well here as we get through the month of March. And everybody has got their eyes on what happens next month there at Augusta at the Masters, April 9th through the 12th. I think it wraps up on Easter Sunday this year. So that's uh, – that's what everybody has highlighted on the calendar coming up after uh, the players is the Masters. And, of course, Big Al on Sports Phone comes on 8 to 10 before we do his yep. new time, our new time, 10 to 12, coast to coast on the Sports King Show. And, Ben, I'm telling you right now, this is the last time I'm going to say this. My microphone, if he messes with Every this time, one more time, right? please write this down. <laughs> please write this. I want him on report today, officially. Big Al written up huh? on report, written up. Something has got to happen with this microphone because this is going on too long and there's something's got to happen. Heads got to roll. Anyway, I digress. When we come back, CJ Gex is also going to talk about the Masters, Ben. He's played there at Augusta multiple times. So we're going to find out that that's another thing. The ins and outs. You talk about something Dude, on the checklist that jealous. you want to do. That's on the Play bucket at list. The Masters Play at the Masters. Play at Augusta. Yeah. Is something we want to do. So uh, we're going to find out what that's like. We're going to find out uh, what it's like to. Uh, work with a top LPGA golfer who's made over a million dollars. He's done that. Uh, so we got a lot to talk about. CJ Gex is our guest coming up next on the Sports King on Sports 1061. Mike Singletary, former Chicago Bear, Hall of Famer. You're listening to my friend Jamie King, the Sports King on Sports 1061. Looking for a top-tier university that is affordable? Coastal Carolina University offers more than 100 undergraduate and graduate programs designed to help you earn your degree. Visit coastal.edu and learn more about the coastal commitment to student learning and student-led research. Coastal Carolina University is consistently ranked as a top best value university in the South. Visit coastal.edu to learn more and schedule your campus tour. 
Hi, it's the Sports King, Jamie King, and I'm here to offer you truly life-changing advice. If you or someone you know suffers from foot pain, don't delay. Take immediate action and visit the podiatry centers of Dr. Paul Ross with two offices to serve you, Bethesda, Maryland, and Springfield, Virginia. I know firsthand he changed my life and totally restored my foot. He will do the same for you. That's the podiatry center of Dr. Paul Ross. For more information, go to paulrossdpm.com. That's paulrossdpm.com. You're listening to the man who thinks that Velcro is nothing more than a ripoff. The Sports King on Sports 106.1. And welcome back, everyone, to the Sports King on Sports 106.1. And we want to thank all of our great sponsors out there for CMA Colonial Honda. Tim Cosgrove, moving lives forward. Nobody does it better than CMA Colonial Honda. New cars, used cars, they have it all. Go by, stop by, see Tim and the fine folks at CMA Colonial Honda. We want to thank Coastal Carolina University and the great Joe Moglia. The Joe Moglia Report brought to you exclusively by Coastal Carolina, heard exclusively here on the Sports King Show weekly with great advice, financial advice, stock advice, and boy, do we need some of that this week as the stock markets have really been hit. Uh, We'll find out more about the coronavirus and uh, what's going to happen in terms of long-term stock play with Joe Mowgli as he joins us later this week. We also want to thank uh, the folks at the Podiatry Center, Dr. Paul Ross. Of course, we call him the Bishop of Bunions, the Prince of Podiatry, the Master of the Metatarsal. He does it all. What a great, great foot doctor he is. And, of course, Andrew Fisher and the Nerve Corporation. Remember, think outside the website.com. Andrew at Nerve, never underestimate Radical Vision. He and his team do an outstanding job. Social media, websites, they do it all. Another guy that does it all, joining us from Texas, Director of Instruction at the Performax Golf Academy in McKinney, Texas. A guy that, man, for years I saw this guy every day on my phone. I'm like, this guy keeps offering tip after tip after tip after tip and i finally got to talk to him and an amazing guy this guy knows golf like very few know golf he joins us from texas cj gex welcome to the sports king show hey great to be here jamie how's everything with you guys up in virginia we're doing great up here and uh well, I tell you what, you have got a lot going on. You currently are working with MJ Herr, the LG, uh, LPGA player who's won twice last year over a million dollars in earnings. Man, I guess you could say that CJ Gex uh, training is really paying off for her. Yeah, it was uh, it was quite a pleasure. We actually worked for, I guess it's been two years now. We worked the first time. It was literally she came in for a lesson um, on a recommendation of another LPGA player I was working with and uh you know we worked once that that year for a week and then you know everything was done kind of via text message and stuff like that which is extremely difficult but uh this last off season she dedicated herself and we got together every week and spent a lot of time together and you know taught her a lot whether it's short game and surprisingly you know being a a multiple winner, you know, she's won, I guess, four or five times on the LPGA Tour. She was top 30 in, you know, in the Rolex or the KPMG rankings, however they do that there. And, uh, but really it was teaching her how to play golf a little bit. So teaching her a little bit of course management, you know, being from Korea, you know, she's been out on tour for 10 years now, but being from Korea, a lot of those people, they don't really get to spend time on the course and they, 
they just hit ball after ball after ball. And that's kind of one of the things that, you know, you see a lot of the Korean LPGA players. I mean, they definitely outwork a lot of the American players, but they just have all their time where they're just hitting balls, you know, constantly because they're not really on the course as much because it's so expensive. So it was great to kind of spend some time with her and really kind of hone her short game, work some swing. You know, her swing was obviously great. You know, it's just a few tweaks, a lot of setup things, um, you know, figuring out where she plays best from. You know, her driver was her biggest weakness, and so we got the club to be a little less steep and a little bit more underneath so she could hit a draw consistently. And just being able to make those few changes in her short game, I mean, she's a phenomenal putter. So, you know, she had a great putting year, so that helps, but it's hard to win tournaments if you don't putt well, but and she definitely putted well, so good for her. My producer, Ben Maitland, pointed out before we went to break uh, about the Players' Championship coming up and how that is one of the premier events in all of golf because the players are there. That It's such an amazing field overall. Uh, where do you put that event? Of course, the Masters is an invite deal, but the Players' Championship is special. Talk about your thoughts on the players. Well, it is the fifth major. I mean, it's the PGA Tour. I used to work for the PGA Tour, so when I was at uh, TPC Craig Ranch. So it's obviously, you know, our biggest tournament of the year for the PGA players just because it is their event. Um, the, you know, it's at the home of the PGA Tour. So, I mean, it's a phenomenal golf course, and the field is top-notch. I mean, it's not going to get any better, and obviously they gear up for it. You win that tournament, I mean, that's on your record forever, and so they can never take that away from you. So. The Players' Championship is definitely, you know, the fifth major, if you will. It's, I, I put it above a few of the other majors, personally. Um, but it's a great golf course. It's a great test. And I think whoever wins that, you know, can definitely hold on to that forever, for sure. And not that you're a betting man, but if you were to pick somebody, who's your guy in terms of the players? Who do you pick uh, as your winner? Well, obviously seeing Ricky Fowler play pretty well this last week and a past champion there, um, he's going to be at the top of, of my picks for sure. Um, you know, I would definitely say if I had to pick one guy, I would just go with Ricky. Okay, fantastic. Now let me ask you this. You well, have... hold on. I'm not letting you off that easy. What, who are you picking? Uh, <laughs> see, I knew you were going to do that. Um <laughs> Nicholas still putting now. Um, I tell, I'll tell you what, I've always been a, a, a Phil Mickelson fan, and I've always pulled for him. Um, you know, I like Ricky Fowler, too. Uh, I'll go with Mickelson. I hope he can uh, find his stroke and uh, play well, but he's a guy that uh, you never can count out. Um, yeah. There's a lot of big hitters, though, man. Uh, that's the thing about the game I was going to ask you next was, uh, the game's involvement in terms of uh, the players and the way they hit the ball. I sit back at some of these practice ranges and watch these guys and watch them on the tee and just stripe these balls. EJ, you're used to it because you hit the ball like these guys hit the ball. But, I mean, when you watch these guys hit it, is there any limit to what they can do as far as these drives? Uh, it's it's pretty amazing. I'm getting old, so I don't hit it as far as I used to. And these, I mean, I played golf with a student of mine the other day, and, you know, he's and he's tiny, and he's hitting at 300 yards, and we're playing with one of his high school teammates, and he's hitting at about 350, and I'm just sitting here in awe, you know. And I'm, So as far as the limit, I mean, obviously I think the equipment has, you know, everyone has 
you know, swing instruction has evolved, equipment has evolved, the ball doesn't curve as much, so, you know, you can hit it harder. You know, the finesse game, like, you know, when I was growing up, Nick Faldo, you know, these guys, Nicholas, working the ball around the course, now they just take it over the corners. So, you know, the only issue you see, I mean, even watching last week, Ricky on a par four, you know, at, at our, the imitation, Arnold Palmer's, you know, he's hitting it through the fairway and he's carrying it 297 and it's like, it's just insane to see how far these guys are hitting. And even like Bryce and DeChambeau, I don't really think it's as much as the equipment as well. I don't think that's as big of a problem. I mean, you look at Bryce and DeChambeau last year, you know, they were talking about him flying it into the middle of this net at Riviera. And now he's flying it over it because he got in the gym and, you know, these guys aren't doing the parting like they used to, you know, back in the Weisskopf, you know, Nicholas days. They know that the money's there. They're all, you know, Ricky, or I'm sorry, Rory McIlroy squatting 400 pounds, you know. So, you know, they're kind of all taking a page out of Gary Player, and they're all in the gym, and they know the money's there, and they're all hitting it farther. But I think the equipment has just allowed them to hit the ball straighter, you know, so they can hit it harder, you know. So I just think that, you know, what they're doing with, with the golf courses, I, I'm not a big believer that they need to roll back the ball or roll back the equipment because, you know, yeah, we've made a few courses obsolete, but, you know, if you do that, then you're going to make all the newer courses obsolete because they're going to be too far and, you know, they're going to have to move the tees up. And then a lot of those courses are designed for bunkers from certain locations. So I think it is what it is. Brandel Chambly had a great analysis. I think the the scoring average only went down 1% over the last 20, 30 years um, on the PGA Tour, whereas swimming um, and, you know, running and things like that, that's increased. I think it's gone down in time-wise like 2 to 3% respectively in those in those sports. And it's just because, you know, as human beings, we're evolving. We, we have the technology to know, you know, let's get in better shape, let's get stronger, let's get faster. So... I, I think that what these people are doing is amazing, but I think it's a culmination. You know, I think it's just, like I said, the physical fitness, the equipment allows them to hit it straighter so they can hit it harder. And, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer that, you know, let them, let's see what the human body can do. Just go for it and do the best you can. Our special guest, CJ Gex, the director of instruction performance golf Academy in McKinney, Texas. This guy is an instructor extraordinaire. He's one of the best in the world of what he does and cj has played at the masters in augusta four times that's the great news the not so great news none of the four the sports king got a call for that is the bad news cj uh, something wrong here i love the fact you played the masters no phone call is unacceptable next time put me on that speed dial list now tell me what it was like to stand there at the first tee with all the history at Augusta, and how, I mean, in my mind, I'd be sitting there thinking, man, of all the legends that played here, and then you look at the scenery and try to enjoy every aspect of it and then play well at the same I mean, there's just so much going on in my mind is what I would be thinking. What went through your mind when you stepped up there at the first tee? Uh, well, I played Augusta National four times. I haven't played in the Masters, unfortunately. I wish I could have done that. But, uh, you know, you can't describe – just what it's like being there it's it's just surreal but i do you know it was funny because when i played there i played the first round i played from the members tees which is basically where tiger won 
in 97 and you know it is a different course like that first hole so i'll give you a funny little story i take it over the bunker on the right on the first hole and then i hit it up there to about five feet you know and i'm sitting there walking up saying all right i'm going to uh, birdie the first hole at you know at augusta this is amazing and my caddy said it was about five inches to the right of the hole from five feet and i missed it about eight inches low wow. <laughs> so, yeah it was it's it's not that difficult of a course from tee to green but you know when you get to the greens that's obviously everyone knows the story about that and the only difficult part is knowing you know where to place it so you have the best putt but i mean i've i hit it to three feet on number nine i got lucky it kind of bounced over the bunker you know just right on the edge and spun down and the pin was kind of the sunday pin placement and i was so nervous on about a three-footer it was insane i mean you're playing a three-footer you know, eight inches, seven inches, whatever, almost outside the hole. And it's, you just can't describe, you know, number one, the course, how beautiful it is. And you, you know, when you're out there and you're just walking and, you know, you're just looking around and you know where Tiger hit his shot from, you know, where Jack hit his shot, shot from, you know, all these locations of where every, you know, every pin is. And so you go into this course, you've been playing it the first time and you kind of have an idea of where to hit it, but you also can't fathom like the lies, like 13, I kind of made a mental note. I had a shot in there and I think I was hitting a five iron this one day. And, uh, the ball was literally right at knee height and I'm in the fairway. And so, you know, with that hole, you could hang it out right real easy into race Creek or hook it into the trees, you know, or the stuff. So being able to see the course, I mean, if, if anyone's listening, they've never been to it, that they have to go to the course just because, you know, you have to get the pimento cheese sandwiches. That's the best in the world. <laughs> but the whole facility, you just can't do it justice. You know, TV can't do it justice. And that shot on 18, it's so far uphill. Um, you know, you can't fathom just how much uphill that shot is. And, you know, so it's that is by far my favorite tournament. That, to me, you know, every course, especially in Texas, is green at that point. Beautiful spring. Flowers are blooming. And it's just the most amazing tournament and obviously location for golf. He played the Masters course four times and uh, an amazing story there. I'm telling you what, that's one of those things you always dream about. And I know it wasn't easy getting on that course, man. You have to know some people to know some people to get in there. But uh, great job. One thing about C.J. Gex that I've always been impressed about is the fact that he's a teaching pro at El Dorado Country Club. He's a certified biochemist. Uh, and the thing about it is you have such a, a thing about the science of golf and talk about your approach because it's not the normal approach. You have so much that goes into developing swings and talk a little, little bit about your methodology in terms of uh, improving people's swings. Well, so yeah, I was a certified biomechanic through Paul Check, who is pretty amazing when it comes to knowing what the body does and then you know, I've been fortunate enough. I worked for David Ledbetter when, you know, he was the number one instructor in the world. Then I went to work for Jim McLean, who was the number three instructor in the world at the time. And so just being able to kind of see those guys and pick their brains and just learn, you know, from the best and just learning kind of what the body is. But I'll tell you what, the biggest thing for people to understand, and you can just break it down to, you know, fundamentals are important. Um, 
as a kind of a beginner golfer, but they're extremely important as a tour player. So, I mean, we're talking tiny bits off here or there can make the difference between missing the cut or winning. <laughs> Excuse me. But uh, so, yeah, so my biggest thing and what I want people to, that are listening to understand is cause and effect. You know, someone might be over the top and we hit our drivers bad and we hit the poles and the slices and, so we're trying to change that. But the biggest key is, is what's causing that over the top. Now you can understand, is there, you know, is it just a swing thing? Is it their lack of mobility in their right arm? That's where the biomechanics come in, where you can kind of really understand it. TPI, is, Titles Performance Institute, has done a lot to uh, kind of make that public and, you know, teach us instructors, you know, so we can make our uh, our students better. So, if you can really kind of understand, you know, what the fault is and then, you know, try to figure out, and I always like to take it back to, you know, a dress or, you know, the start of the backswing or whatever, and then you might put a, a person through a few tests, and if they fail those mobility tests or stability tests, then you can really kind of say, hey, look, we can do this, but your body won't allow it, so we need to get you to do these for certain few exercises and your your learning curve will go through the roof. So that's the that's the benefit of kind of the biomechanics is just understanding, you know, faults, you know, and compensations and faults and fixes. It's just being able to fix someone that they can make the greatest improvement. Because if your body won't allow you to do it, I mean you're just gonna be getting the same lesson over and over and over again until you get that fixed. Awesome advice. Uh, we want to have a lightning round here with you in a minute, but as you know, uh, when it comes to golf, you know, I try to do my best. And Ben, as you know, speaking to my producer, Ben Maitland, I am no slouch when it comes to the game of golf. Oh, you're a tremendous slouch there, Jamie. That's, we got to at least <laughs> throw one Caddyshack. One Caddyshack reference there. Thanks, you, Ben. Thank you it's so much. For that. Yeah, it's in the hole. Anyway, uh, in terms of the setup for the swing, uh, what are some of the errors that most uh, starting golfers or maybe even experienced golfers make? What do you look at from your standpoint in terms of the golf swing? How do you build it up uh, in terms of making someone better? What do you normally go in and the first thing you look for? Uh, first thing is grip. That's that's going to be the number one. And let's majority of golfers are slicing the ball, and so. You know, you got to get the grip correct, primarily getting the club more in the fingers of the left hand. I see most people, if you're wearing out your gloves, you know, like most people do in the heel pad of their left hand, that's that's a big no-no. You're, you're robbing yourself of distance. You're probably going to slice it. You're never going to be a good ball striker. So first and foremost is grip. And then, you know, some of the drills that I've done, you know, in my online instruction, because you need to make it simple for people. So, you know, I'll put their feet together. And I'll teach them to hinge the club so that when their left arm is parallel to the ground, the club is fully hinged so it forms the letter L. So you make an L in the backswing, you swing through, and you re-hinge your, your wrists and rotate your forearms through and form another L. So I call it the L-to-L drill. Uh, that's probably what I give most. I give that to a lot of tour players if they're struggling in certain areas, you know, just to kind of get them to learn to release the club properly. And if you do that for most amateur golfers, they're going to be they're going to be ecstatic. You know, then I do another drill called the tabletop drill, and it's just literally straightening your arms using no wrist hinge, swing it back waist high, and swing it through waist high, and just focus on your right knee touching your left knee where you're in perfect balance. So once you combine them, so you 
in the first drill, the L to L, you're kind of teaching them what the the wrist hinge slash forearm rotation does in the golf swing. And then you combine that with the body motion of the tabletop drill, you know, getting your, I just tell people, kiss your right knee. Um, you know, so if you can kind of get those two drills down, you can combine them and you really have the golf swing. You can make it as simple as possible. Cause that was the biggest thing for me when I was doing online instruction is, you know, instruction in and of itself, you know, you really want to find the cause and everything, but when you're doing online stuff, you need to make this as simple as possible for the majority of people. And so, you know, how do you make it simple? You got to just, you know, dumb it down so that we, you know, and then pretty much those two drills will cure, you know, most people just because, you know, number one, if your grip's wrong, you're going to do different. You won't ever be able to hinge the wrists, right? So then your elbows are going to be involved. And then your body motion, you're going to try to lurch at and you most of the time come over the top just because you're trying to generate power. But again, you can literally, if you just did that L to L drill with your feet together and you just went back halfway, form that letter L, swing through and form that letter L, you can literally hit it about 80% of your max just from that doing half swings. So, you know, once you get a little bit of shoulder turn and you get the proper body motion when you're in balance, well, now you're getting, you know, the consistency and you're getting that extra 20% of distance. So, that's what I would do. You know, grip, obviously posture is important because if your posture is poor, then it's hard to rotate your body properly. But, uh, you know, grip is, that's the only contact you have with the club. So you need to make sure that's correct. So anyone listening, read, you know, especially for most of the people in the North, you know, your season's going to start here in the next few weeks. So spend some time at home, you know, watch one of my videos, you know, you can, you find me on YouTube. Just Google my name, CJ Gex, G-O-E-C-K-S, or, you know, Perfect Connection Golf Swing, which is what a lot of that stuff, or Performax Golf Academy. I've got a lot of a lot of domain names here. But if they just YouTube that, they'll find some uh, great drills from me on how to get the grip on properly. They'll see how to get the proper posture. They should be able to find the L-to-L drill and that tabletop drill, and that would really get your game set for this coming year. Our final question, we have a minute to go here. CJ, give us a one quick story of a pro you worked with, uh, gave a tip to, you've done it thousands of times, but something that stood out that helped the player win and play much better after working with you. Well, I don't, you know, I had a player in 2004, his name was Jackson Brigman, and he led the uh, nationwide tour at, at that point in scrambling. And so just being able to pick his great game, I mean, he was a great Potter, he played at Oklahoma State. They won a national championship. Great player. Um, didn't hit the ball very far, but again, what he kind of taught me was kind of the when I do my short game stuff, I kind of name shots. So a low shot would be the ball in the back, kind of a medium, the CJ medium. I got to market myself here, Jamie. So, and then the <laughs> CJ high, you know, is more in the forward part of your stance. And then you open the face. Well, he kind of gave me one that for those players that are playing in Florida, they have a lot of grain. You know, if you're those guys where they walk off the green, you know, all the grain is laying into them. So it's the ball back, but the face open. So that way you can make good contact and the ball, um, the club's not really going to dig as much. Because anytime you put the ball back, you kind of get that leading edge going into it. And that's a shot that I've taught players and it's helped me out. It's, uh, you know, when you're playing in a lot of grain, especially here in Texas or Florida and South, you get a lot of Bermuda grain. So ball back, face open. You can kind of get away with a lot of those shots. And for my better players, when they are playing on tour, that's a shot that they love. And I learned that from Jackson. So 15, it was great for me. 15 seconds left. Who wins the Masters? 
Oh, man. Uh, Dustin's not playing that well right now, but it's kind of hard to cut him out. Uh, I would love – I'm with you. I would love to see Phil Mickelson. I think that he can still play well there. You know, he has been playing great, and he is getting up there in age. But if I had a pick, if I had a wish, I would want Phil Mickelson to win it. And then, obviously, Rory is playing well. You know, to see him get the career major, I would say my wish is Phil, and I'd probably pick Rory to win the Masters. Fantastic. C.J. Gex is the Director of Instruction, Performance Golf Academy, McKinney, Texas. And real quick, C.J., where can folks see you one more time? Uh, they can find me. Just look up uh, either perfectconnectiongolfswing.com or actually it's been moved over to golfswing.com. Golfswing.com would be the best place to find me. You can find a bunch of tour, uh, a bunch of instructors on there as well. That's what I would tell people to do. You can get they've got great prices and on all kinds of videos. So just check out golfswing.com and just search my name, CJ Gex. CJ Gex, our special guest, hour two. We can't thank you enough, CJ. We'll have you back on again and uh, hit them straight, my friend. All right, you too, buddy. Thanks, man. And stay warm. You got it, CJ Gex, our special guest. Man, this guy. Not only knows golf, instructs golf, he is something special when it comes to the game of golf. We're going to take a timeout. You're listening to Sports King on Sports 1061. Hi, sports fans. This is former Washington Redskins quarterback and Super Bowl 26 MVP, Mark Griffin. You are listening to my favorite sports show, The Sports King, hosted by my great friend, Jamie King, on Sports 1061. Less is more, right? Well, not when it comes to dealership benefits. I'm Tim Cosgrove, General Manager at CMA's Colonial Honda. We're moving lives forward by extending the warranty on every new car from five years and 60,000 miles to seven years and 100,000 miles. Our mission is to always give our customers more. That's why we have seven Honda Master Technicians and offer a free car wash with every service visit. And now, we will even bring test drives to you because we know that your busy schedules make it difficult to stop in the dealership. Another thing we're extremely proud of is our commitment to the community. From local hero discounts to childhood cancer programs to sponsoring Boy Scout troops. The people truly make us who we are, and we are proud to give back to the ones that give so much to us. So worry less and smile more. Only at CMA's Colonial Honda. Owners just do more. Visit CMA'sColonialHonda.com today. The Sports King Studio Line is now open. If you got a sports question, thoughts on your mind about your favorite team, we'd love to hear from you at 804-327-0888. That's 804-327-0888. And welcome back, everyone. Hope you've enjoyed this edition of the Sports King as much as we enjoy bringing it to you. Alongside Ben Maitland, I am Jamie King, the Sports King, and we've got... Of course, hour one, Perry Williams, a former New York Giant cornerback, talking all things Giants. His experience with Bill Parcells, Lawrence Taylor, owner Wellington Naira, general manager George Young, and uh, he said something he had never said before, and that was exciting to hear about how George Young mentored him behind the scenes that nobody knew about. So that was a great story. Also, the, the story of the biggest hit he ever saw, John Riggins meeting Harry Carson in the middle of the field, head-to-head, two cracked helmets later. He said the biggest hit he ever saw. Hour two, we started off with C.J. Gex, learned a lot about golf, of course, the Masters. He played there in Augusta four times. Uh, he also uh, worked with a young lady that won two, uh, almost a million-plus dollars as far as LPGA. She'd been on the uh, actual tour for a while, but... Uh, 
found uh, success with CJ, and her name was uh, MJ Her, LPGA player, who won twice last year. So we enjoyed catching up with CJ, who gave us some great tips. Hope you had a chance to listen to that. I think we changed some lives. Yes, we did. At least the golf lives, anyway. Yeah. If you were listening to CJ this just then, that was uh, that was fun to step through just some of the, the little tidbits and and drills that he has people do. If you were able to pick up on any. And trust me, when you look outside today, you see the beautiful blue skies. Makes you understand that not only Major League Baseball is right around the corner, but time to play some golf. I'm oh, yeah. excited about that. Get out there and enjoy it. And we want to turn our attention to NASCAR, of course. And that is the area of expertise of Mr. Ben Maitland. He loves the NASCAR world. Joey Logano with a big win. And uh, I'm impressed Ben Maitland's in a pool, if you will, which I didn't know they did for NASCAR races. And he has been finishing very well. And I know he's not where he wants to be. But, man, the last couple of weeks he's been second. And uh, <laughs> if it's not rubbing, it's not racing. Ben, you're doing well on the NASCAR side. And uh, you've got some news as far as that goes. Yeah, Logano picking up uh, win number two on the young season yesterday. He's the first one to win multiple races through four through four weekends. You had Denny Hamlin, of course, win at Daytona. Uh, in the 500 a few weeks back, you had um, Logano win at Vegas, second race of the season, and then you had Alex Bowman from Hendrick Motorsports won at Fontana last weekend, and then Joey made it, again, two out of four yesterday out at the Phoenix Raceway, out in, uh, I believe it's pronounced Avondale, Avondale, Arizona. I could have that a little bit backwards, but it's where the Phoenix Raceway is, uh, is at. It's a beautiful setting. I would love to catch a race at Phoenix one of these days. You have Rattlesnake Hill off in the distance uh, where they sell tickets to uh, to watch the race. It's a hell of a view from up there. Um, they had a, several camera shots yesterday from people just kind of walking the uh, the trail on Rattlesnake Hill and, and taking in the race yesterday. It's a beautiful setting for uh, for any any sporting complex, much less a racetrack. So, uh, but Logano coming away victorious. Um, Kevin Harvick, who I did have in a pool yesterday, coming up runner up. That's two weeks in a row. Trying to make up a little bit of ground. We're only four weeks in. We still have uh, was it thirty one or thirty two points races left. It's a long season, Jamie. So. Uh, but Kevin Harvick coming home second, and then uh, Kyle Busch third, Kyle Larson fourth, and then Clint Boyer rounding out your top five yesterday there at Phoenix. Uh, the points leader, Ryan Blaney, running into a little bit of trouble, uh, taken out in an accident along with Denny Hamlin. Uh, Brad Kozlowski was also in that one, rebounded to finish, um, I think, just outside the top ten is where Brad ended up. Led some laps yesterday, um, but uh, finished 11th as far as the other number two car was concerned. So a little bit of a a recap there from the racing in Phoenix uh, yesterday. They come back to the East Coast. That's the final race of the West Coast swing where you have uh, Vegas, Fontana, and Phoenix. They come back and go to Atlanta down in Hampton, Georgia, right outside of Atlanta this coming weekend. If you want to give us a call on the Sports King Sports Phone Hotline, you can do so. 804-327-0888 is the number. 804-327-0888 is the number. Talk football, basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer, NASCAR, Formula One, anything you want to talk about on the Sports Phone, give us a call. 804-327-0888 is the number. And Ben, I've got to ask you this. Why is it that NASCAR, you know, it's not my sport, uh, of course, I like the ones that end in a drive and scoring inside the red zone, my type of sport. But you're a huge NASCAR fan. And my brother, uh, who was a huge Mark Martin fan, and now Kevin Harvick fan, why is it you guys have guys? I don't have a guy yet. I, I need my guy. I've got to pick one. I've been working on this. But it is so... Uh, is so uh, such a big thing with you guys in terms of, hey, that's my guy, and that's the guy I follow. 
to the point where guys literally want to fight if you speak bad people, of their guy. It's like it, you're such a possessive it. thing. No, man, don't talk bad about Junior. If you do, I'm going to blah, 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 blah. And I've seen and heard guys in bar fights over somebody disparaging their guy. Why the love for these NASCAR drivers? Some people take it too far, I would say. But uh, I think a lot of it has to do with people tend to gravitate towards uh, guys maybe who share a similar personality. So maybe like um, the way Harvard carries himself, that speaks to people. Same thing with Kyle Busch. You know, Kyle, there's not a lot of middle ground with him. You either love him or hate him. It's funny you said that. You either so, love that guy yep. or you despise that guy. Polarizing. Uh, is Tony Stewart was that way. Tony was that way. He was actually coming back to run an Xfinity Series race on the road course at Indy uh, July 4th weekend. Looking forward to that. To him uh, returning to NASCAR for the first time here in a while. That was a news item that was released within the last week. Um you know, Tony was like that. Of course, Earnhardt Sr. was like that. You know, Dale Sr. had a lot of, uh, certainly a lot of fans that would come to his defense. And Lord knows the man had a lot of uh, people who wanted to see him do bad each week um, or run poorly each week. So I think it's it's hard to explain it really at the end of the day. Um, I think you, again, look at how guys carry themselves, uh, the personality factor. Um, running well certainly helps. You know, if, if you're in a, a decent ride like a, uh, a Roger Penske car or a Rick Hendrick car or Joe Gibbs or what have you on down the list. So it's, it is hard to explain. I feel like if you go and you, and you are part of the atmosphere, you know, a couple of times you kind of start to pick up on, on what makes the, uh, the race fan tick okay. and, and why they gravitate towards certain guys. So, but yeah, it's, it's a young season still. Um, they will be here in just a little over a month here in, in the capital city here in Richmond, they'll be here. April 17th through the 19th for the Toyota Owners 400 weekend. Um, the we need you to get some interviews. We can go over oh, there yeah. and get in the pits and make it happen. I think we're, we're going to uh, at least have some kind of a presence on site uh, those couple of days. Um, Friday, I think we're looking at um, possibly doing the morning show at least 8 to 10 uh, with, with Sports Phone and Big Al out there on site. We did that a couple of times a year ago. I think it's still in the, the process of being worked out for 2020 as far as being on site again and talking to some of the drivers having some guys on air and, and getting their thoughts on the weekend at Richmond. Uh, so that's still to be determined. But um, I always look forward to when they roll into town. They are bringing the Truck Series back for the first time in a long time, first time in 15 years. I think that the uh, the Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series will return to Richmond Raceway. And I know president of the racetrack, Dennis Bickmeyer, has gone on record many times in the last I guess a year or so, maybe since they made the announcement, he said the two things I always get asked the most about is when are the trucks coming back? They'll be back on April 18th, running that Saturday night, and when is IndyCar coming back? And the IndyCar series also makes its return to Richmond in June, um, later part of June for the IndyCar series. So you've got a lot of things to look forward to if you're if you are a race fan. There are a few of us left. We're, we haven't totally gone away. You so, get giddy when you talk about racing. You I love en- this. Stuff. I enjoy it. I still do enjoy it uh, week to week. Seeing who does what, who's got, um, you know, who is, who's going to be formidable on any given weekend. You know, certain, you know, they always say horses for courses. You know, certain tracks favor certain guys. Some guys run well at this place. Other guys run well at other places. So it's always fun to watch. Well, it is always fun to watch, and I know you love uh, you love going there because of the experience. And I tell really... people to experience it just once. So, well, it's one of those. Uh, Things you have to do, and I guess the sports team is going to have to get out there with Ben and uh, see you in your element, my man. Giggity.
Yeah, yeah. exactly. Thanks, Quagmar. Somebody else saying giggity <laughs> is, uh, as we transition, Bill's new quarterback. Yes. I can't believe this. This guy can't cover Ben Maitland. Now, he might oh, be able to cover hey. me. But I'm telling you, Josh Norman, his best days are behind him. <laughs> Got enough speed to outrun Josh. But maybe in a uh, zone coverage he'll be okay. But he signs a one-year deal with the Buffalo Bills for $6 million. It can reach $8 million, sources told ESPN. Norman re- reunites with Bills head coach Sean McDermott, who was his defensive coordinator with the Carolina Panthers from 2012 to 2015. Norman's agreement with the Bills was first reported by the NFL Network. The Bills' starting cornerback, All-Pro Tredavious White, is currently undecided about returning. Uh, so we have to see what's going to happen there. Second-year corner Levi Wallace started 23 games for Buffalo over the past two seasons, including 16 regular season games in 2019. The team also signed former Texas first-round pick Kevin Johnson in 2019, but both Johnson and Wallace are free agents this offseason. Buffalo holds the exclusive rights to sign Wallace. So your thoughts on the signing of Josh Norman? Uh, curious, I think, from the Bills' standpoint. I thought they were a good enough uh, defensive. They returned a lot of pieces from this past season. You saw what they did. Um, we had Trent Murphy on here once that had been a few months back uh, when he was en route to Texas on the hunting trip, and we talked you know, about the Bills and where they stood as far as going into the 2020 campaign. He was confident that they could um, put a winner out there again. You give um, Josh Allen a little, another year under his belt, maybe another piece or two on the offense, and I think they could certainly contend in, depending on what happens there with the Patriots and what happens with the rest of the division in AFC East that could be open for the taking. So I think uh, – I would be cautiously optimistic if I'm part of Bill's Mafia that, that Josh has anything left in the tank. Um, yeah, they do have Tredavious White. They have Levi Wallace at the cornerback spots. But, you know, they uh, if someone does go down, then Norman's not a, I guess, not a terrible depth piece. But I, I would like a better option if I'm on the Bills. I don't see it. I mean, maybe the Bills see something there. but uh, 32 years old, that's not a spring chicken also anymore as far as. I think he's lost his coverage skills, but right. it is what it is. Maybe in his own scheme he can help in situational deals, but I don't know. I think his best days are behind him. But the Bills saw something in him, decided to make a run at him, and that's more dead weight we got rid of here in D.C. So good luck to him in Buffalo. I don't know how it's going to work out, but I do know the Bills are a team I really enjoy, and they are definitely getting better, and they will contend in the AFC this year, no doubt about it. We want to switch gears to the hardwood, the NBA scoreboard from last night. We're going to go through that and give you what's on tap for tonight uh it was yesterday the nets in brooklyn defeating the bulls 110 107 deandre jordan 11 points 15 rebounds for brooklyn uh in the victory colby white uh, 21.6 rebounds in the loss for chicago zion williamson man this guy is getting better every game uh the pelicans defeat the timberwolves in minnesota 120-107 uh, Drew Holiday for New Orleans, 37 points in the win. Malik Beasley, 21 points, 9 rebounds in the loss. This game was a classic game, one that uh, could have gone either way, but it was a lake show on the road, uh, kind of a road game, if you will. Uh, 112-103, uh, they were deemed to be the road team, defeating the Clippers, both playing the same building. LeBron James, 28.7 rebounds. Paul George, the Clippers, 31.6 rebounds. In this game, and Ben has a clip here, uh, LeBron James was asked, Ben, about the 
uh, coronavirus and said that if things continue to escalate and as many are saying for the NCAA tournament, there may be no fans. Games played with no fans. I can't believe this is happening. But they also said the NBA may not have fans at some point. And they asked King James, what happens, LeBron, if there are no fans? And this is what he had to say. We play games without the fans? Yeah. No, it's impossible. I ain't playing. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't got the fans in the crowd. That's what I play for. I play for my teammates. Play for, I play for the fans. That's what it's all about. So. If I show up to an arena and ain't no fans in there, I ain't playing. Well, we know where he stands. Well, I suppose I don't totally buy all that. Yes, I do feel that he believes the fans are paramount, and you love playing in front of the fans. But guess what else you love, Ben? It's the called do-re-mi, my friend. <laughs> yeah. And you don't get that if you don't play. You have to play, and you have to uh, play to get paid. If LeBron says, I'm not going to play, and nobody's there— you're basically not going to get the moolah. So you have to play LeBron, and that's part of the deal. So it's going to be, uh, you know, something that you have to get the uh, the check, and the only way to get the check is get on the court to play. So we are going to take our final time out, come back and give some news and notes and uh, finish up the scoreboard and give you a look at tonight, all that and more as the Sports King rolls on Monday on Sports 106.1. Hi, this is Kurt Gouveia, number 54, Washington Redskins. You're listening to my friend, Jamie King, the Sports King, on Sports 106 World. With 19 NCAA Division I sports and 84 majors, Coastal Carolina University affords student-athletes the competition and learning they crave. From FBS football to ladies volleyball, from championship baseball to ladies lacrosse, from business to theater arts, Coastal Carolina University offers a depth of learning both on the field and in the classroom. Eager ambition is a hallmark of students and faculty at Coastal Carolina University. Schedule a tour and learn more at coastal.edu. Less is more, right? Well, not when it comes to dealership benefits. I'm Tim Cosgrove, general manager at CMA's Colonial Honda. We're extending the warranty on every new car from five years, 60,000 miles to seven years and 100,000 miles. Don't forget, we also have seven Honda Master Technicians, a community outreach program, free car washes with each service, and many other benefits. CMA's Colonial Honda. Owners just do more. Visit cmascolonialhonda.com today. You're listening to the guy that was once addicted to brake fluid. But please don't worry, he says he can stop at any time. It's the Sports King on Sports 1061. Welcome back to the Sports King of Sports 1061. Thank you, Mike Kelly. Announcer Mike Kelly. Yes, Ben, I can stop at any time. Smile, laugh. You get all that for free. You're a lucky man. More than you even know. Hey, want to get back to the NBA scoreboard? Before we left, before we broke, we told you the Lake Show won 112-103 over the Clippers in a great game. The Thunder found a way to defeat the Celtics. TD uh, Bank America, uh, the site, uh, as the Thunder win 105-104. Chris Paul in that game, 28 points. Gordon Hayward, 24 points in the loss. 105-104, Thunder over Celtics. The Bucks, uh lost to the Suns, 140-131. Devin Booker, 36 points. Chris Middleton, 
had 39. Booker, 36 for the Phoenix Suns in the win. Middleton, 39 in the loss. Once again, Suns, 140-131. And you have an update on Giannis, Ben. Yeah, the bit of a scary moment the other night. Um, as far as uh, Giannis is concerned, he has what is being called a minor joint capsule sprain of the left knee, and he's not expected to play in the remaining games on this road trip for the Bucks. Um, that was per the team. He uh, suffered the injury, of course, in that big game Friday night against the Lakers that the Lakers went on to win. Underwent an MRI, did Giannis. Um, that revealed the injury. He missed yesterday's 140-131 loss to the Suns in Phoenix, and he's also supposed to set out tonight's game against the Nuggets. So uh, Mike Budenholzer, of course, the head coach for the Bucks. Uh, said the way they described it to me is we'll see how the next few days go and kind of evaluate him and see where he is then. So, you know, you know what you know, basically, and they'll take it slow, I'm sure, and they they know what an important cog he is in the machine that is the Milwaukee Bucks and will not push it, I would imagine. So, uh, but looks like they, they avoided or, or dodged a bullet as far as a significant injury is concerned for Giannis Antetokounmpo. And they say Caesars Palace is LeBron James is 7-1 that win the 2019-2020 MVP uh, second behind Giannis. Now we wonder, hopefully, this injury won't be lingering. We'll follow up on this on the Sports King, and we'll keep you up to date. want to let you know the Wizards played the Heat in Washington, and the Heat beat them 100-89. to uh, Shabazz Napier, 27 points for the Wizards in a loss. It was the Pacers, 112 uh, winners over the Mavericks in Dallas, 112-109. The Magic blew out the Rockets 126-106 in Houston. It was the Cavaliers defeating the Spurs in a great game, overtime game, 132-129. It was the Pistons falling to the Knicks, 96-84. And last game last night was the Raptors over the Kings. We love the Kings here for obvious reasons, 118-113. And give you tonight's quick look at the scoreboard in terms of games on tap. A very light schedule tonight, 7.30. The Hornets at the Hawks, State Farm Arena, Atlanta, Georgia. The line is Atlanta favored by four, over under 223.5. The Bucks without Giannis, uh, more than likely, play at Pepsi Center against Denver. Uh, Bucks and Nuggets in 9 o'clock start there. Over under is 221.5. The uh, Nuggets are favored by five and a half. And the last game on the board, the Raptors at the Jazz. Uh, the Jazz playing well, of course, at Vivint Smart Home Arena. Salt Lake City, Utah is the site. Jazz favored by four and a half, over under 224. That's your NBA scoreboard and tonight's uh, games that are on tap. And so that is uh, a complete look at the NBA. We want to remind you, folks, uh, we can't do it without you each and every day. Our new time is 10 to 12, Monday through Friday, Eastern time. Don't forget that. If you want to follow us, you can go to Sports King Nation as far as the Facebook site. You can also follow us at www.sportskingradio.com. And we want to let you know our favorite folks out there are our sponsors of course tim cosgrove cma colonial honda moving lines ford we've got coastal carolina and joe mogley of the joe mogley report heard exclusively here on sports 1061 the podiatry center of dr paul ross with offices in bethesda maryland and springfield virginia andrew fisher and his outstanding team at nerve never underestimate radical vision and think outside the website.com if you need a website if you need social media help marketing they do it all ben in our closing minutes we want to thank uh, perry williams new york giants who did announce any job learn a lot from him cj gex our two guests learn a lot from him on the golf side and uh, any closing words from my man i uh, want to give the folks an update as far as justin verlander is concerned um on the injury front for the houston astros he left yesterday's start uh after two innings i think he was supposed to go four innings yesterday in his start for the astros in spring training 
left yesterday, yesterday's outing with a sore right triceps. He did have an MRI this morning. Um, as of half an hour ago, the results had not been released, but we should know something soon. Dusty Baker, of course, the new manager there in Houston, said, uh, quote, he feels better and he's glad he came out of the game when he did. Uh, I believe he had a similar ailment back in 2015, 2016, and I think from what I read this morning, he said it wasn't quite as bad as, as that, or as it was back in 2015 or 16. So uh, something to keep an eye on. I mentioned on the show this morning with uh, Big Al on Sports Phone that we would keep people abreast of what was going on, give them an update, and that is uh, what is known right now. He had an MRI this morning, but the results not in for Justin Verlander and the Astros. Fantastic. Uh, real quick, Barry Bond says Major League Baseball has given him a death sentence, Ben, saying they don't want him. He said, that's what they've given me. If they don't want me, he said, just say you don't want me be done with it. Bond's final year of Hall of Fame ballot is 2022, meaning he has two more chances, Ben, to be it's voted in. Yep. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I don't care if any of those guys get voted in because uh, they cheated the game. But then again, the Astros cheated the game. And baseball's a mess right now. I love baseball. You know it. And the world champion, Washington Nationals, I love them. But I don't like when people try to cheat the game. It just uh, doesn't uh, sit well with me. And then you've got a guy like Pete Rode it and wanted to say, hey, I paid my dues. Uh, all these years later, please give me a chance. And it's fallen on deaf ears. But Rob Manford wants to give the Astros, or the Asterix, as I call them, a free pass. I just don't get it. I think Pete Rose, as we said, deserves to be in. Give Pete a chance. All we are saying is give Pete a chance. How do you like that Yoko reference there? Pretty good, huh? Anyway. We've had a great day here on the Sports King. Thanks to Perry Williams, a special guest, CJ Gex, and Ben Maitland. I'm Jamie King. Have a beautiful day. We'll see you here tomorrow on the Sports King.